To reach that upper level Your mind, body and soul must be one It's a sacrifice It takes hard work is dedicated to exploring the relationship between our hair, our health, and our heritage. For my second season, I'm facilitating conversations with successful hairstylists and barbers, and I'd love to invite you to listen in as we explore the significance of the hair care space, the important relationship between hair care professionals and their community, why it is important to us, and even some common myths about this work. In this episode, we will discuss being business-minded. And we'll be having a special guest, Ms. Sky Charlie, she goes by other names, but she's the creator of the business of black hair in Silver Spring, Maryland, and curator of various fashion consulting brands. It is my privilege to introduce her. So I put this bio together myself, just based on observations, conversations we've had at the salon, and her Instagram feed. So <laughs> here we go. Skye was born in Kenya and immigrated to the U.S. in her youth. She's had a range of jobs from being parts of political campaigns, teaching children runway techniques, to doing the wardrobe and hair in the most exclusive commercial shoots, even with NFL players, from the beaches of Cuba and even all the way to Australia. Skye is the queen of fashion. You'd be shocked that she can style hair in her new salon in stilettos. Skye doesn't just focus on hair, but helps to complete the whole look. I know I've taken a few mirror selfies in clothing store dressing rooms and text them to her before making any significant purchases. As a beauty influencer, you can turn to her Instagram pages to get fashion inspiration and even motivation through her curated quotes to hustle harder. So Sky, thank you so much for allowing me to interview you for this podcast. I'm so excited to be in your new salon in Silver Spring, Maryland. So welcome to, to my show. <laughs> it is it's definitely an um, honor to be with you. You're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so it seems like just yesterday that we were um, stylist at N Natural Hair Studio, and now you have your very own salon. So since I've only known you for just a few years, I'm mindful that I've missed huge chunks of your life story in my little bio that I made from your Instagram feed. Um, so let's start from the beginning. When and how did you decide that you would enter the hair care industry? Um, it's so funny because I think from a little girl, um, I've always remembered knowing how to do hair. But till today, I don't know how I learned, <laughs> you know, and it's the most interesting thing because people talk about their grandmother taught them this, their mother, but nobody in my family knows anything about hair. I'm the only person. Um, really? Yeah. Like, it doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> so even my mom is like, I don't even remember. So I feel like it's just one of those gifts that, you know, God blessed me with, mm. you know, the opportunity to know how to work with my hands. Um, and growing up, I really didn't understand that because I haven't always been, I'm very, I consider myself a very educated person, but intellectually it's always hard for me to learn in a classroom. Mm -hmm. um, I never really connected with things, but as I got older, I realized it's not because 
it was just it was just the fact that I didn't, I didn't understand how I learn and I realized it's because I learn with my hands and I learn visually and that's why I'm able to be in a salon and watch somebody do something and by the second third try I got it wow you know and that in <laughs> itself put a lot of courage in me and um faith in how I viewed myself as an, an individual because mm-hmm. I never felt like I was good enough in any space, mm-hmm. whether it was in the classroom or wherever. And I, I mean, I really did struggle, but I always worked hard to mm-hmm. do what I can. So, and it kind of just ties into my, you know, life story because growing up, I was always into arts, fashion, sewing, <laughs> theater, singing. I knew I was going to be something in the media industry or something, but mm-hmm. I just didn't know what it was. So after interning at a salon in high school um I was like okay I want to do this hair thing I applied to Laurel uh high school for their cosmetology program Mm. and I got denied Mm. out (laughs) (laughs) and that yes and that's just like bit a bullet in me and I was at that time I was like I'm not doing this hair thing anymore whatever you know (laughs) and you know fortunately for me my story like I wasn't supposed to graduate from high school and thankfully I was able to with the support of a lot of people in my community and I was like well since I didn't want to do the hair thing I figured once I graduate get into college pursue another career and that's kind of how I landed into the legal field but even with doing working in a political field working law Mm -hmm. firms like you said I've had so many different various (laughs) jobs from product sampling at damn Costco like so really I have everything included I know that I know there's a strong hustle in you. Oh, it was a strong hustle. Um, because you know what happened was, and I'm probably getting off tangent, but I know. We'll this is part of the journey. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and all of this happened after college trying to figure out, um, okay, am I going to do the law thing? Am I going to do the hair thing? Am I going to do fashion? Like, what am I supposed to do in this world? And at the same time, trying to navigate who I am as a woman, um, right after I graduated from college, my, well, even before college, my family had split up. So Mm -hmm. at the time, um, my mother was house hopping from this aunt's house, this person's house. My brother got separated. He lived with his father. My sister moved to Florida. Mm -hmm. And then I came out of college and I was by myself. I had nowhere to go, you know? So I've always had that hustle mode, like, okay, I'm going to stay at this aunt's house do what I got to do for a year and then figure it out and go to this girlfriend's <laughs> house. Like that was me for the longest time. Um, and then I landed into a relationship at some point when I was still kind of discovering myself. And in that relationship, I was still working. I was working in the nonprofit world at the time, uh, working with juniors and seniors in DC, hmm. but it didn't feel like it was enough. And I kept saying, there has to be more to my life because this is not what God ordained me to do. I like, I, hmm. Education was fun, but it wasn't. It didn't seem right to me, mm-hmm. at least in the space that I was at. Um, and like the universe works and conspires, and I got laid off and I lost my job. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm not gonna do this anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, spend a year trying to look for other jobs, and I was like, f this. And in that year, I decided not to do much of anything. Um, I set all my unemployment checks. I took gigs <laughs> here and there. I traveled to Cuba. Mm-hmm. I did all these amazing mm-hmm. things. I moved with my mom for about two months. Like, I was just living a life of freedom. Just and, she, to, and she cooks. And she cooks. So she was making me fat. Like, it was the best thing ever while still in this relationship. It was so weird. And was actually my first job after my year of unemployment. Mm. Um, and within 
doing the hair thing, to be honest with you, I don't know what made me what made me try it. I just kept saying, you know what, go give it another shot. Mm. Because I was like, one thing I knew about myself is that even in the midst of me not working, I made a lot of money doing people's hair. Mm. And you know, and that's what sustained me. It wasn't a Costco, it wasn't this restaurant, it wasn't that. It was the fact that I was really good at what I was already offering so I said why why don't I stick to what I already know and see if I would like this again because I'm like I gave up in high school that's too early to figure out if you really want to do it <laughs> and when I started working at N, I felt a different it was my first time working in a space with first of all all black women yeah. um and different types of black women you know and it it allowed me to feel, I felt like I was more free. I was able to say what I want. I was able to dress how I want, wear my hair <laughs> how I want. And you know, when you've been in the world of just working for people, sometimes you lose that self-identity because you're trying to fit into your space. You know, you want to make sure that you blend in with your coworkers and all of that. So when I got into salon space, I was like, I can do me. Like, this is cool. <laughs> and it's just like, it gave me the sense of purpose that I was looking for because I realized that my purpose was to make people feel good about themselves. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, if I make, if I style a woman's hair, no matter how she came at the salon that morning, if she looks good by the time she leaves, she's going to feel good. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that in itself is so impactful because you don't realize how much you, how much something so simple can change someone's life. Um, and in that sharing stories with women in a salon about their career and finding out that I had like so many types of clientele from clients who really didn't have money but was like I'm getting my hair done anyway <laughs> and clients who had money and were like having nannies drop their kids off oh, at the salon oh, so I knew okay. they were stacked <laughs> but one thing I found in common was each of those different types of black women shared a commonality Mm. and that was the idea that no matter what space they were in they were oppressed or they Mm. felt oppressed they always felt like they were never good enough as a woman and especially as a black woman they felt like the more they voiced their opinion they were considered angry you know Mm -hmm. and sharing these stories with women and their identity and connecting them with their hair and how people felt it's just opened my eyes to a whole new world and I said to myself if you want to impact a community of black women, it starts in the salon. Mm. You know? Yep. I don't know, know that. No matter what, no matter <laughs> nobody cares what your income is, no matter nobody cares what neighborhood you came mm. from. You can come from Southeast, you can come from Potomac, Maryland. But for some reason we always share some type of commonality in the salon mm. where we talk and we laugh and we communicate and we share ideas and we talk about politics and we disagree, we agree. But it's like is that community is that is that little bit of a similarity that can make a bigger impact than what it just seems, mm-hmm. you know? And it and it kind of tied me back into thinking like back in the days where black people would gather, you know, in the churches and they'll talk about what's going on. They'll strategize, they'll whatever, they'll come together as a community mm-hmm. to sing, they'll praise. And it's almost that same space that we're sharing in these little, you know, little yeah. hubs of salons. Yeah. So I think that that's what was like, I like this. I yeah. feel like I'm having purpose again. Ooh. You know? Yes. And I'm like, do hair? <laughs> no, like, I'm African, so doing hair is disgraceful. Oh, no. <laughs> that was like the worst thing you 
you can tell your parents you want to do. You're supposed to be a doctor. Come yes. on. Yes. At some point, my mom You're... was, like, still telling people, like, I'm going to be a lawyer. And I was just like, okay, mom, I'm going to be a lawyer. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like this, this was such a journey for you. And it sounds like not only did you recognize you could find healing through this hair care process, but were able to provide healing for your clients, too, and mm-hmm. saw that particularly the hair care space is very powerful for communication, for problem solving in the black community in particular. Mm-hmm. This is deep stuff that you were sharing. Yeah, because it's so funny. Like, I have a client, and my clients are just like, I feel like they're the most amazing black women that I know. And I was, you know, I'm 29 years old. One of my clients is a real established lawyer. Like, she's about to make partner and all mm-hmm. of that. And I look at her like, oh, my gosh, you're just everything. And she looks at me and she's like, oh, my gosh, you're everything. <laughs> you know, like we inspire each other so much yeah. because she's like, it's, it, it feels so different being a black woman of power in a white space. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and it feels so different being I'm a black woman in power in my own white space. And that's mm-hmm. usually in the, you know, entertainment and wardrobe style mm-hmm. and all of that. And it's only here where I can really be around my own people. Yeah. <laughs> so you, this is a black space. Yeah. It, it has not been integrated. <laughs> this is a space where you have choice and control and can express who you authentically are absolutely mm-hmm. even from the images on the wall and that sounds like i really like oh, yeah you have to see this you all yeah i this really artwork. like charisma's work and we'll i guess we'll figure out how to plug her and she's young yeah. but you know one thing that i noticed too and i was like this makes sense because i wanted to portray different types of women i didn't just want to portray women with afros women with whatever the only thing that's missing is locks i think she has straight hair mm-hmm. because my clients are so many different types of mm-hmm. black women. They don't always want to wear their hair curly mm-hmm. and sometimes they want to wear it straight. Yeah. And I had to learn to take a person for who they were, mm-hmm. you know, because it's very easy, especially in the natural hair community, to um, create this division between women who choose to be natural and women who choose not to be. Yeah, like hashtag team natural. Hashtag yeah. team natural. <laughs> and I get it, it's a sense of pride, but I think sometimes in doing that, we're separating ourselves as mm-hmm. well. So I wanted people to walk in here and know that no matter what you identify how you want to wear your hair, it's okay, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to judge you. Mm-hmm. But so judgment-free zone. Judgment-free zone. Okay. It's not going to be like, you have to be natural. Like, if you choose to go press your hair tomorrow and ruin it, baby, you can come back. Okay. Okay. Well, you are clearly a woman of vision. Just even how you set up the space and wanting the images on the wall. I'm mindful, too, that you've hosted vision board parties, helping people to really pronounce the vision that they have for their lives. So I'm curious. You kind of were touching into this a little bit, but who or what inspired you to develop such a strong image? Was it a specific person or situation that really gets your creative energy juices flowing? I think for me, it's various things. I think the first thing for me was ending my engagement. Hmm. Um, That is the first time in my life that I ever said no to something. Whoa. Um, And where I said this, you're not good enough for me because Mm. this, that, and the third. And it took so much strength out of me to walk away from that situation because I love this man so much. But we had so many problems that Mm. was just, at some point, you just can't fix certain things. And I had to find strength in myself and worth in myself 
to walk away from that situation and bounce back and you know it was it's hard it's, it was hard because mm -hmm. it's recent you know going home crying waking mm -hmm. up going to the salon um, and people tell you at the time I didn't have a place to go because I when we separated my my ex got so mad that he changed the locks on the keys <gasps> I couldn't take any of my stuff luckily I had one suitcase that I had <sighs> So you can tell anyone that was at Ann, I would drag my suitcase to work. Oh my goodness. And then I'll go find somewhere to sleep that night and I'll bring it right back. But I wasn't telling people what was going on. I'm just mm -hmm. like, I'm traveling to New York. Um, you know, because they know I travel like anyway. So nobody ever really, it wasn't until like later on, people are like, wait, where's your wedding ring? What's going mm -hmm. on? You know? And having that community at the salon, you know, it helped too. Like people like Carissa or Kaisha, who was there for me to take me places that I need to go, to take me to get food. Mm -hmm. um, Kaisha gave me her food stands because she was like, I know you ain't got no money. Go get whatever you Aww. need. <laughs> so having going through that situation, but having such a good support of people that I've just been working with, um, it gave me so much strength, you know. Mm. And I said to myself, if I really want to be a woman of affluence and if I really want to do good in, in this world, I have to really sit and I have to manifest mm. and I have to really learn who I am as a human being, no matter how, how lonely I have to be for a while. So I went through this period of loneliness and I had to accept the loneliness, be okay with it. But in that, I would go home and I would pray. Mm. You know, and I'll tell God, like, I can't do this anymore and I'm tired. Can you just take control over my life? Mm. And wherever you take me, I'm going to follow. Wow. You know, so when when I had that conversation with him, my life, my life started to change, you know, and even people around me were like, you just left your man. You ain't got no place to stay. You ain't got no money. How are you always happy? I'm like, because I have a second chance in life, mm. you know? And I have, a, I have a second chance to become the woman I've always wanted to become. Mm. So when I talk about manifestation, for me, it's very real because I had a conversation with the universe and I realized that anything that you really, really want is yours. And you have to believe it. You have to think about it. You have to dream it. You have to... I write it down. I've planted things like... When I was in Australia, I spent two hours just talking to... People probably thought I was crazy. I was talking to the water, the clouds, you know, because we're all connected. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I was telling people, especially at VisionCon, is the dreamers and doers that really make an impact in this life, right? Because we're the inventors. Mm -hmm. We're the creators. Um, but it's a small percentage of us. But we're also the people that others don't understand. Mm -hmm. Because it's hard to understand someone that's dreaming if you don't have a vision. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So for the longest time, I've always people always said I was crazy. I'm not a realist. I live in this fairy tale world. Um, I went through that a lot with my relationship. Maybe you should mm -hmm. just go back to law school. You know, do do the regular thing. Like mm -hmm. you keep having these dreams. It's not working out. Like these are the things I'm constantly hearing in my own home. Some of my friends and. In finding out who I was as a woman, I realized, no, I've always had it correct the whole time. Wow. You guys just didn't understand, Ooh. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that allowed me to dream and manifest a salon and 
all these good things that were coming to me. Because when I left, oh my God, let me tell you about Kaisha. I, knew, I, was, I, girl. Was, I wasn't there during the, I'm like, where's Sky? It's, it's, it was so crazy. I had a really, I had a real conversation with Angela. She's the um, owner. And we've always had, we always had an interesting relationship. But we've always been honest with each other. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't belong here, you know? This mm-hmm. isn't for me. I respect what you're doing. I respect your establishment. But I think it's time for me to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very like, OK, do your thing. We support each other from whatever. So that's really how I left. Um, mind you, this was two weeks before I ended my engagement. So I didn't think about me not having a house and money. Oh. <laughs> I was like, this timeline. I was like, just... I, was like Wait. I just quit. And I wasn't going to go back to Angela and be like, psycho. <laughs> Sky, you made your decision. You have to, because at this point I had I had hit rock bottom. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, I don't have a job. I ain't got no man. I ain't got mm-hmm. nothing but me and my suitcase. <laughs> That's it. All I can do is go up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just really struck by the story in terms of when you had nothing. That's when you became the most connected to the universe, to God putting a lot of faith in terms of that process, letting go of maybe ideas that you had about what your life would look like and really opening yourself to the energy of like, like you were saying, the water, the sky, sky, (laughs) all of these different things in terms of really tapping into your fullest potential in that process. So like- I never paid attention to it when I had everything, the designer shoes, the clothes, Mm. you don't pay attention to things like the sand and mm-hmm. the lake you don't really because you're just in this materialistic like distracted distracted mm-hmm. but when everything is removed from you mm-hmm. and you don't have anything you have no choice but to pay attention to these things yeah. and that takes you back to the meaning of life in general because Ooh. that's why we're here for you know what I'm, I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> meaning a life you, you see this philosophical <laughs> conversation that's happening right now because as soon as I let go and I allowed the universe to take control, I landed the NBA commercial. Mm. Um, I did my first uh, movie on set doing hair. Mm. No experience, but I did like 10 people on set. That shit was mm. crazy. Excuse my language. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got the all-paid expense trip to Australia. Ooh, I didn't even wow. need to pay for anything. I'm just wow. like, God. Wait, how long was that flight, though? 16 hours. Okay, okay. Well, no, two from L.A. to Australia. Ooh, from here okay. to L.A., girl. Yeah. So let's say just 20-something hours. Ooh, okay. <laughs> uh, and then I got the most beautiful... The, the place I live now is 10 times more beautiful than I used where I used to live. Mm. It's bigger. It's in an area where I'm, like, the only black woman there. And God gave it to me at, a, at, at exactly... Let me tell you the funny thing. I always tell people, before you really leave a relationship... You've already left, right? Mm-hmm. You have, even if you haven't physically left. Yeah. So when I made up my mind at some point that I was going to leave this relationship soon, I said I have to save a thousand a month, and I don't know why I put that in my thing, but I was like, because if I save a thousand, I should be good. When I got the um, notification about the apartment I wanted to move in, the rent was nine hundred and ninety-six dollars. <laughs> That's precise. <laughs> Okay, universe. <laughs> I was already set up to be able to pay my rent. Mm. And I don't live with nobody. I live by myself. Wow. Like, it's crazy. And you brought that suitcase <laughs> with you, too. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just mindful. This is a, such a beautiful journey. 
And I'm wondering if this journey is reflected in your hair. So right now, you currently have freeform, freeform yeah, locks. Um, but I've seen you have various looks from blonde braids to, I think even on your Instagram this week, you did your whole creative what should we call that? What is Some called? circles. Uh, <laughs> Made it up. <laughs> Made it up. Okay, it doesn't even have a name no. yet. That's how exclusive and innovative she is. But I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your hair journey and how it reflects some of the experiences you were talking about, whether it's beauty, self-esteem, sense of self, and just even being an African woman. Um, my hair journey, actually, I think for the longest time, I've just always explored the things like I'm just a creative. So I've mm -hmm. never really thought too much about it. But when I was in the in the midst of going through my whole relationship thing, I decided I was like, I'm just going to freeform my hair. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing anything with my hair. And it was a sense of me saying that I'm ready to, for me, it was a reflection of the life I wanted to live. I wanted mm -hmm. to have a free life. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't want anybody to tell me how to wear my hair, how I should look. And being very self-conscious, I was just like, can I really see myself looking like this? But I said, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> and it was like, as soon as I started free from my locks, everybody's like, wow, your hair looks great. Like, you should have worn your hair like this all the time. Just like, I'm not even doing nothing to my hair. Like, I just wake up and go. Mind you, take care of your hair. Because I stopped taking care of it and some of it fell out. But we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Yeah. So, so this is what your hair wants to do, and you're letting it do what it does. Absolutely. Okay. I'm not. I said I when I said the universe control everything. I'm not even controlling my hair. <laughs> Kaisha had to yell at me like, if you don't sit here and let me wash your hair, <laughs> I was like, the universe will take care. It will wash my hair. <laughs> like the universe is not gonna clean your hair. <laughs> okay, this is such like so symbolic. How uh, even hair is representing this free lifestyle and this freedom that you've discovered over the past few months um and then too even i'm curious about this process of starting your own businesses like because you have multiple do you yeah, I have to so can you tell us a little bit about your businesses and maybe even some challenges that you faced now owning your own business um let me start the business of black hair because that's a unique story in its own that okay so i went to kenya about four years ago yes about four years ago um and it was my first time going back since i left wow. so and what I, year did you leave i left in uh, 1994 wow yeah. whoa yeah so that's a long time ago mm -hmm. <laughs> um but and but i had a family there i have my brother mm -hmm. i have my aunties like all, most of my family is there so I went there for about a month. And while I was at my grandmother's house, because um, she lives in the village, um, very small village. She has no no indoor plumbing, nothing. Like, this was, like, the purest life I've ever lived, right? Ooh. For a week. Oh, I struggled, guys. I struggled. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool. I had to leave after a week. <laughs> but I had a dream. Um, one morning I woke up. And in the dream, I saw the word Nuele. Nuele means hair in Swahili. Hmm. Um, I said, huh, that's very interesting. But I didn't really think too much about it. I, came, I remember I came home and I told my fiance, I was like, that's the weirdest dream. I just saw this hair. And this is actually before I started working at N. I was mm -hmm. at the time I was still working um, at the nonprofit, wow. which is very interesting. And then I'm doing, this is the second year me and my girlfriend doing our vision board. And I pick up an Essence magazine and the first page I opened said business of black hair. Mm -hmm. 
hmm, I was like, this is so weird. So I'm like trying to put things together. Mm. Like this has to be a sign. So I called my girlfriend and I said, girl, I don't know what it is. And this is when we were doing Thrive Lounge together. And we were, no, matter of fact, we were in Atlanta together. And we were laying in bed together because we were like thugging it out. <laughs> trying to go to this brunch. No money. <laughs> so we're sitting there laying in bed. And I'm like, I don't think I want to do this organization with you anymore. Mm. And she's just like, hmm, why not? Because she's very chill, like with friends, business partners, whatever. And I said, because for some reason, I think I need to do something in the hair industry. And I don't know what it is, but I keep having this vision. And she was like, go for it. I said, are you, are you serious? She said, I support anything you want to do. Just mm -hmm. go for it. Like, we'll, I'll figure it out. I'll do it on my own. And I said, okay. So we did the vision board. I cut out business of black hair. I centered it on my vision board, put in some salon chairs and all this stuff, whatever, fashion week stuff, mm -hmm. the usual. Um, and then the, a few months after that, I started working on a business plan for business of black hair. What I envisioned it to be was a company that was going to be able to provide and manufacture hair for either salons or beauty supply stores. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's supposed to be from like black manufacturers mm -hmm. to black owners, you know. So I had this vision, well, you know, maybe I'll open something in Kenya, a factory, whatever, and I'll be able to solely focus on African-American owned businesses so that because the issues with beauty supply stores right now, especially owned by black people, is that they don't have access to yeah. what China and yeah. Asian countries have. You yeah, know, the, the Asian market is on lock with has yeah. dominated. Yeah. But I said to myself at the time, if we flip the script and we start opening places on the continent and those who and those of us who want to do the groundwork and start reaching out to these beauty supply store and start saying these this is what we want to start using mm -hmm. we don't want to use expression or we don't want to use this <laughs> we have our own better hair it's being manufactured mm -hmm. by black people for black people and it's coming Ooh. directly to you you know what i'm saying and let's just cut out the asian market Mm -hmm. and let them focus on whatever they want to focus on, yeah, yeah. right? Ujama, oh, is that the right one? Cooperative economics? Yes, <laughs> right? It's I'm trying to balance my Swahili. I'm like, come on, am I saying? <laughs> right? And then we wouldn't need all these BS products that yeah. people are, like, fighting over that's mm -hmm. worth nothing. And that are toxic. Toxic and bad quality. Mm -hmm. If you see expression hair that's made in Tanzania or Kenya versus what's being manufactured in China night and day really? I cannot make it up hmm. I showed on my client she was like how is this even possible I said because we're so tainted with the Asian market we're not even realizing that they're selling us bad stuff mm. right so that was the vision for business of black hair so I wrote this business plan got my logo made and all this stuff had business cards spent maybe close to 2000 whatever getting all the you know paper whatever yeah. and nothing happened <laughs> about all this hair <laughs> nothing happened nobody bought anything i think only <laughs> one person bought two things of hair <laughs> and i was like okay well maybe this is not what god has ordained for me right now but i still wrote it down i wrote the because i do have that vision of setting up um manufacturing places in africa so that is still there but that's a long-term vision yeah okay. if i don't do it i hope somebody does it but we need to do it mm -hmm. um so kind of fast forward, a few months later, when I told Angela I was leaving, uh, I did not have a plan of where I was going. Um, and she even asked me, we have, we have like a morning conversation, so what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. I said, she was like, if you want, I can find other salons for you to work at. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to work for anybody. I'm just going to figure it out, you know, because I, I, I was secure at the time. <laughs> so and then literally the day before I was leaving N, Carissa's taking me home and Carissa asked me the same thing. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Carissa, I don't know. She's like, but Sky, you don't have a job. You don't have any money. You got to figure out a place. Like she was like really having this conversation with me. And she was like, I need you to go home and we get in a house. Because um, I said to my girlfriend basement at the time, she's like, I need you to get on your knees. I need you to pray. And mm-hmm. I need you to ask, talk to God. Wow. Since you don't know what you want to do. And maybe he'll help you figure it out. Trust me. And I was like, okay, Carissa. Okay, okay Carissa, spiritual counselor. Okay. <laughs> so I went home. I did exactly that. And that's what I was saying where mm-hmm. I had manifested and said the universe. That's, that happened all that night. So... The day, the day or whatever I was leaving in after all of that, you know, great stuff happened. I said, Sky, you have the business of black hair. You already have the business set up. You have the business cards. You have everything. All you need is a space. Mm-hmm. And I remembered about this salon and I called Jim. I said, Jim, I'm ready to move in. Can I move in next week? He's like, oh, well, I got to get time to <laughs> paint the salon and this girl hasn't moved out yet, but... I'm going to hurry up and figure out how I'm going to get you in as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. That man worked quick. He got me in the next week, and that's exactly how the business started. So it was just oh, like man. all of these things that have, were already built, like this was, what, two years, three years mm-hmm. ago? And I'm just using it now. And it, and that's when my clients were like, are you sure you didn't like strategically plan this move? I was like, I swear, <laughs> I just had all this stuff. Because even though my business cards, it still says like CEO. And <laughs> it's not all the way correct, but I'm like, it's a long story. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Wow. So this, this is the uh, such a long time coming without even thinking that it would manifest in this way, that it was just set up. Everything lined up. The universe lined things up the way that it should happen. This is great. I'm just even thinking about how I'm like, I need to get one of these (laughs) boots here, like, and have my psychotherapy practice. Um, Yeah. So even then, too, tell me a little bit about, like, the fashion, the entertainment. How How does that all fit together? How do you manage your time in terms of being a salon owner and going to these different beautiful sites and fashion weeks and all of these different things. How does that work, doing both? I, You know what? I, when I got in here, I said, because I thought about N. I said, okay, you make the most money on the weekends, and your clients are always coming on the weekends. Cut your hours short and find ways to utilize the other time differently, right? Because I knew no matter what. So my, my vision for myself is that I... I am a top international hairstylist, mm. period. And I am a top wardrobe costume mm. designer, period. And I'm a black woman doing it, period. Mm. <laughs> and in knowing that was my purpose, I was like, I have to make time for both. Because at the end of the day, they're all connected, mm-hmm. you know? And the good thing about the entertainment industry is a lot of them tend to do work during the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's when they want me in New York. So I was like, that's perfect. Close the salon Monday through Thursday, work Friday through Sunday. Because if you, salon business makes really good money. You can easily make $2,000 in a weekend, depending on the services and the clientele you're servicing. Dang, that is better than therapy. 
<laughs> yes. Like, it's a booming industry, and people sleep on it. It's just people don't know how to manage their money well, but working on that, too. But <laughs> So I know that even if I don't work every weekend or my clientele aren't coming in every weekend, I'm guaranteed to at least make my rent for the space, and I'm guaranteed to make my rent from home because that's two to three weekends of work. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm good. And then whenever I go to New York, that's residual income mm-hmm. because I get paid for all of these gigs. And commercial and hairstyling gigs pay really good. Being on set as an assistant typically starts at 500 And you don't even do half of the work that you're doing in a salon. So for those who are considering it, it's definitely like a booming industry. And I'm talking about if they want you on set for three days and you're an assistant, make 1500 mm-hmm. in three days. Imagine if you're the lead stylist, you know? So I was like, I'm definitely getting into this business. Marketing dollars is crazy. Um, And a funny thing about, I guess, because I didn't really talk about that, just to kind of retract about how I did get into the fashion industry. That also started in college. Mm -hmm. Um, No, not college, high school, because I started sewing in high school. (laughs) Started in high school, bought me through college. And I always had this thing about my image. And I think I got it from my grandfather. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was a type of man that he didn't work, but he woke up every morning and he wore a suit and he sat in the kitchen and he yelled at us. That was his job. <laughs> <laughs> that was his job. <laughs> well, not even us, me, because I had it the worst. And this man sat there with a suit on and he was just unbothered. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Man, that says a lot about his character, mm. you know. So seeing that, I've always been into image. And then my mom has always, you know, we grew up not having the best of things. And she's always instilled in me, don't look like what you're going through. Look like who you want to become, Whoa. you know. So I remember my mom always telling me that because my mom is like the beauty queen. I'm nothing compared to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tying all that in into my story, my journey, I was like, I hair and fashion is just as important to me and especially as we talk about the evolution of humans and different things that have gone on I'm a very historical person mm-hmm. and everything that you can tie into the world if, if you want to know about a story or when something took place look at what the people have on and look at their hair mm. that in itself is going to tell you exactly what is going on you know and I'm like that is so powerful you, okay. I'm a storyteller. Yes, a storyteller, a historian, an anthropologist. You you put in all the disciplines into this work. Into hair. How? <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, this is just it. And then going there, I'm I'm always one of two black women mm. out of like 500 people in a building. So I stand out. Nobody looks like this there. Like I, I'm like a sore thumb, whatever the word is. Um, that's what motivated me more. Mm. And even, even going backstage at Fashion Weeks, for anyone who's ever had a privilege of going there, I've never seen one black hairstylist behind the scenes at Fashion Week. And I've been to Fashion Week consecutively since, two, what's this, 2019? Mm-hmm. I've been going every season since 2014 or 15, one of those. All white men, some white women. That's why some of the models' hair looks like that then. They don't do the models' hair. What they do is they come in a Make chair. Make it messy. <laughs> Hairspray. Voila. The messy look is in. <laughs> it's in. Or they do what is typical. They get them black models with no hair. Mm-hmm. How many white Caucasian models do you see on a runway with no hair? Interesting. Barely. 
But if you get us who have no hair, your your job is like way easier because now you don't have to understand mm. how to figure out this kinky woman's hair and how to comb through it. Mm. So and it's it's something that is still to today. And I was like, nah, Sky, you gonna build your empire and you gonna one day you gonna take over the whole fashion week behind the scenes Whoa. and your team is gonna be there. You know what I'm saying? Can I be there too? I think you will be there. I've never been to a fashion week. I know I'm still trying to get my fashion look and stuff on, but this is this is so dynamic in terms of thinking about how black people and black women in particular have been shut out of the fashion industry. And it sounds like you're not letting them shut you out. You're gonna show up behind the scenes, wiggle your way in there and and make significant changes. Cause I know I know that you have even designed your own photo shoots and I still am confused that you would do your own hair your own dress yourself even like set up do the set design yeah all that (laughs) and pick out but usually the model doesn't pick out all the stuff but you are the the creative director the casting agent the model and have created shoots which you have a picture of uh, one of the images even on the wall in here so I'm mindful that if there's not space you're gonna do it anyway I'm gonna do it because all it takes is as soon as you got one foot in you can bring your whole community with you and that's Mm -hmm. all it takes so I'm taking over all of any industry that I want to take over Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna do it with showcasing black women for who they are okay you know if you've noticed in my shoots my girls ain't got slayed edges or I'm not you know I just do my hair pick out the clothes that make sense to me create a storyline do the set design if I had to hire the right people and I execute mm. because I'm tired of walking into Target and all these stores and the only curly natural hair people I see are people with loose wavy curl and lighter mm. skin which is nothing wrong with that but for once I want to walk in and see a woman that looks like me Ooh, you know yes. I want to see a woman with free form locks on the cover of a natural hair product saying this is a leave-in conditioner yes. can you imagine that yes you got that <laughs> This is, this podcast is gonna be like archived and we're like, remember when Sky said that? Right. It's like historical documentation now. This is a vision board right now. This conversation is a vision board. So it's gonna be so exciting to see how these things manifest. Um, so I'm just to even wrap up things for today, because I feel like I gotta go back and like listen to this and like pray on the stuff that you were saying in this interview today. Do you have any like closing thoughts or recommendations for people to live in their their greatness manifest their vision especially when it comes to hair and fashion like any one or two points for people who have the motivation but haven't been able to start or make Mm. any changes i think there's two things that i learned and i think it's very important one is and that's nothing to do with hair i mean well actually all of it's connected you have to you have to be okay with understanding what it feels like to feel pain you know Mm. and the reason that is because we live in a generation that's masking pain whether it's through social media through drugs whatever sex I mean it doesn't matter we live in a very interesting generation right now um and when I learned how to sit in my pain feel my pain and understand my pain I knew how to be compassionate to others Mm. you know and I learned how to serve others better whether it's through clothing hair however um especially in a as black women, we're at the bottom mm-hmm. of the, um, I forgot what kind of ladder it is. 
in terms of oppression, right? Mm -hmm. It's white men, white women, black men, black women. Mm -hmm. And even worse if you're an immigrant. Now you're mm -hmm. underneath that. Because I, there is, we, had a, we have to make a distinction between the immigrant black woman and the American black woman. Mm -hmm. Even though that's a conversation in its yes. own. And I would love to have that conversation okay. with you. Because that ties into Australia. We've got to do a part too. Yes. That's a, but in knowing that when you're at the bottom, you experience the most pain. And when you take that pain with you as you're rising up, you understand how to navigate whatever system that you're in and you understand how to be fearless because now nothing can impact you. You know what I'm saying? You know what it feels like to hurt, to cry, to not have. So no matter how many people are yelling at you on set, no matter how many clients might say, you know, oh, this hairstyle sucks or this and that, it's like you've kind of built this resistance where you're not looking at it like, Oh, she must not like, you know, my work. It's maybe it does suck. Let me look at it from her mm. perspective and figure out how I can fix this. Mm -hmm. You know? And something like that makes a huge difference because that's how you, you, you learn how to deal with things a lot better. Now, the second thing I, that helped me, too, in the journey was un, there's beauty in loneliness, you know? By me being alone... I started understanding who I am, mm. where I want to go, and where I want to go with others, you know? Yeah. Um, and those two things have really shaped how I look at business and how I look at life, period. Mm. You know? Because I don't think it's about... It's not about having the best business plan and having the best vision and idea. You know, when you understand a lot of these things, those ideas, they're going to manifest to you, mm -hmm. you know? And they're going to work in favor of you. Yeah. Because now you've taken the selflessness out of yourself and you're opening yourself to the world to be able to experience these different emotions. And through those experiences, you're able to build positive relationships with people mm. instead of quarreling all the so time. So yeah, having a good relationship with yourself, it sounds like it's core to be able to do the work you need to do and connect to other people in a healthy way. In a healthy way. And people yeah. will help you because at the end of the day, we're all messed up human beings we all have issues we all have our demons that we're fighting but when we find that commonality and that's when we go back to the salon the commonality of black women in a space mm. you understand what it's like to heal and to grow and to uplift each other and to really build a sisterhood with women that look like you mm. and even women who don't look like you because we need those women to support us as well yeah. Ooh. you know that was well said asante sana I'm still trying to use my key Swahili. Thank you so much. I feel like um, I'm learning a lot, and I still need to make a hair appointment with you. You haven't done, done my hair. You've washed it. I got some side braids, but I want to get the full service based on that. So, Scott, how can listeners get in contact with you to keep up with your various projects and businesses? Um, well, definitely uh, you can get on our website at www.businessofblackhair.com. Um, and right now it's two stylists here. So it's me and Kaisha. Kaisha specializes in lock maintenance and coloring. So she's everything. <laughs> um, and then you can also follow me on IG. It's T-H-E underscore Afropolitan. Just continue to support. I'm all about black building black businesses. So if I know someone that's doing something that, and they're great and they're black, Call me. Let's figure it out. <laughs> All right. I hear you. And as always, you can follow the latest psychotherapy information through our website, 
psychotherapy.org and our Instagram handle at psychotherapy, which is in the link in the name of this podcast, so I won't spell it out. But of course, if you like this episode, please consider sharing. I know that this was a highly spiritual conversation. Maybe you want to listen to it in the bathtub, write and journal after it. But in closing, let's remember that a path to healthy hair is having strong roots. 